so not only because we're poor financially, but also poor mentally and not even knowing how this whole game works, you're getting robbed. And the crazy part about it is I've never seen gentrification like this in my life, but I know this because I've been to my grandma's house like for years upon years. Like I grew up there. And whenever you, like my grandma's house is red brick, but all the homes that are new are white brick. They just paint them white. And so when my grandma's house is like two homes over, there's a white house. And then the house that's next to her that I knew the girl who used to live in that house, like we grew up together, that lady just sold her house. She got married, she's moving, she's gonna be living somewhere else. So that house is gonna be a white house in less than six months. And so like gentrification's right next door. And so what's the empowering stance? The empowering stance is for me to come in, buy the house and put a lien on the property. You ready? Tweet, talk, episode 65. It's lit. This podcast is brought to you in part by investattheteam.com. We have created the official merch of Generational Wealth. You have to shift your mindset from employee to you can't fire me the boss. Always remember, no sacrifice, no reward. Hood Estates, exclusive collection available at investattheteam.com. Now back to the world's greatest podcast. Are we on the end, dope what it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Millionaire himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. Episode Kevin Garnett, I wanted to say that because anything is possible. We got the truck back. Never thought it was possible, but we got the truck. Man, I didn't even realize I was watching Brian's um, Instagram story today. And uh, Brian, uh, and he was uh, talking about on his rental cars, he has a kill switch. Yeah. I was like, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I think of the kill switch thing, man? I could just killed it. He could have never had any access to it. I could have got the thing way back sooner. So we'll add a, a kill switch to it next time. But special guest in the building, Brandon Thomas of Brandon Thomas Insurance. Welcome to the show, man. Hey, bro, how y'all doing? We good, we good. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, man, I thought we'd have you on, man. It was um, the usual suspects. Yeah, you haven't it. been on this one, huh? Have you been on this one? Nah. No, I haven't been on this one. I've been on the time. I've been on the, wow, you, I think you just you just changed the name. Yeah, Ogles being Scott show, because Dane Dash said it has to be a show, not a podcast. I feel that. I'm about to start calling this a tweet talk show. <laughs> so I've I've been on well I, I technically I haven't been on that podcast but I was on the Tom Millionaire podcast before y'all switched it up a while back way 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 back way 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 back so really I thought your episode was more recent anyway uh, I, I think this was over a year ago yeah mm. it was over a year ago because I don't even think I had I don't even think I had an LLC at that point. How did you uh, How did you end up on the podcast? Like, how did y'all link up? Uh, I think I just reached out. I was getting like a little bit of, that's when I was like just, I guess, starting to come up a little bit, getting like some recognition on Twitter and stuff. So, but if you hear me on that podcast versus probably now, I'd probably sound like, you know, almost two different people. So a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff changed. He was, he was talking that boss talk. That's how he got on the podcast, man. <laughs> he, he was talking about building his own brand as opposed to working for somebody else's brand. And yeah, that's what got him on the podcast. That's, that's the narrative that we running with, man. It's so crazy. Um, when you really start looking at how these jobs will rob you, Raphael, and these firms will rob you, you'll be out mm-hmm. there getting all the clients, 
making all the phone calls and you got to split the commission with them. Yeah. And no ownership. Right. No ownership. They want to put restrictions on what you can do, how you can do it, when you can do it. They want to put limits on who you can work with. There's no creativity that you can really apply to it. So jobs, I put out a tweet and I was like, jobs are just another way for them to control you. It's like you go to, I was, I was at, I was in Atlanta, man. And it's so much of what you see kind of shapes your tweets. And I was in Atlanta at this restaurant called uh, the varsity and the whole staff was black, but the manager was this old, weird, old, staunchy white dude. And I was like, fuck this shit, man. How come he gets to be the manager in the middle of Atlanta with a whole black staff? That makes no sense to me. So one thing I will say about Atlanta is people definitely support black business, man. Like you'll, you'll be going like the black businesses and the black restaurants had all the lines, had all the people there. Those are the most full, most popping spots. Nobody was really going to the non-black owned spots. So Crab Queens was out there. We have one in downtown. And there's also uh, Negro's Village. Everybody talked about it. I wanted to go there. I, I kind of wish I would have known it was there. I would just made plans to go there on Sunday. And then uh, we went to this one, like, Black-owned, like, Caribbean food place. I never really had Caribbean food, but it was fire, Raphael. Everything was fire. Everything was delicious. Delicious. Man. So what's, what's next? What's the word on the billionaire talk, Raphael? Who's a notable billionaire of the day? Um... Well, we could talk about, you know, Avike Dangoti. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I think that's a good, yeah. Apparently, he's doing some, like, major stuff. He's putting up, like, all this wealth to bring, like, energy to Africa or something. Or not to Africa. Africa's so big. But, like, I think Nigeria or Nigeria. something. Yeah. Yeah, richest man, richest black man in the world. What's his net worth? That's a see here. Estimated net worth of $8.3 billion U.S. Makes him the 162nd wealthiest person in the world. That's according to Wikipedia, Forbes. Yeah, Africa's richest man founded Dangote Cement. He made his money in cement. There's another black. Crazy. There's another African billionaire that made his money mostly of cement too. It's like, wow, that's crazy. You wouldn't even think that. He also has like different products too, like food products. Um, apparently, he just does everything out there. Like, he is the man. Yep, yep. So... It's the ugly stuff. It's not that pretty, sexy rapper stuff, man. Right, right. We got to get through the... Um, Brandon. Brandon's still, Brandon's still in his stunt phase a little bit. <laughs> he's, still got, he's still getting the Rollies with the diamonds in them. Really? That's I like, didn't know you got a Rolex, man. No, 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 no. No, I don't. <laughs> not yet. I got you. I got the, the no, I, got, I, got, I got a couple... No, I got, I, got, I got one bus down, but it's not a Rolex, so I'm not... Do you, I'm not. I'm not there yet, but I'm gonna get there. Yeah, you, you got one of these, man. What is that? Twenty-four seven watches. Seven watch. Twenty-four seven watches. No, I don't. But I do. I do need the. I do need the uh, support because me and her, we, we follow each other on Twitter. So I definitely need the support. I need to support her for sure. Cool. <laughs> shout out! Shout out to Maya of twenty-four seven watches. She was um, guest on the show. I believe it was episode forty-four. Yeah, no, she's no, pretty no, 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 I'm not forty-four. That was Michelle. I think it was 52 or something like that. I forget which episode. I believe it was 52. Before you make money, you got to learn money. Um, I think that we, we got to touch the stock market a tad bit. Um, and we did have, I'm like, the, I'm like the resident stock market person, apparently, on this show. Today is what day we recording this, September 14th. Great day in the stock market. People made a ton of money. Um, a lot of people were talking about how when we had all those bad days, they were averaging down. And so this is why we kind of talk about being like a long-term investor because there's opportunity in those situations. If it's a good company, it's a good company, whether it's a good day or a bad day, because you never really know why the stock market is being hammered. 
It could be a host of reasons, but if it doesn't impact the fundamentals, it's still a strong investment, it's still a strong buy. So Tesla is recovering. They did like 13% today. Um, a lot of those value plays that were like tanking last week, they made a lot of money. So a lot of people still aren't really back to even, but they did have a very, very strong day today. And we're playing the long game. We're not playing the day-to-day. -day. I don't really even care about the day-to-day -day because if you look at the day-to-day, -day, you're just gonna get frustrated. You're gonna get anxious. You're gonna wanna sell. You're gonna wanna take profits too soon. So let's look at like 30 days to 60 days, maybe 90 days. We got a long time. And especially if you look at that chart, like you gotta allow the chart to dictate when you're gonna buy and when you're gonna sell. So strong day, um, but a lot of these companies that did split and I told you guys it was gonna happen. They ran up into the split, they split, and now they slid back down. So even though they're having decent days, they're still not back to even. You still haven't made any profit. And that's why I said you gotta average into these things. So you gotta be buying systematically and continuously over time. So stock market corner, Todd, Millie, sponsored yeah. by the Todd Capital Options community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So welcome to the show, Tweet Talk, the Black Wealth Podcast, or the Black Wealth Show, maybe we'll call it. Um, usual suspects, co-host, myself, Raphael Husbands. You can find me on Twitter at Work Money Life. And my co-host, Charles Oglesby the Third, JD. Lit. You can find him on Twitter at Todd Billion. It's been that for a while now. Please don't change yeah, I, I, I kind of like it, man. Yeah, keep, keep, keep that one for a while. And tonight, until, until until they pop up, like he ain't even a billionaire, dude. Why is his name Billy? <laughs> <laughs> then I might have to change it. And in honor of September being Life Insurance uh, Awareness Month, we have on the show tonight uh, Brandon Thomas of Brandon Thomas Insurance. You can find him on Twitter at BT Insurance CEO. Welcome to the show, Brandon. Again, welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Brandon. So, uh, like you said, my name is Brandon Thomas, and I <clears throat> own an insurance out here, an insurance brokerage out here uh, in Texas, um, and we're also licensed in uh, seven other states in um, in the United States. Um, I've been a full time entrepreneur for about two years. Uh, been in the insurance game for almost two years, and um, just been building my thing, man. Just been uh, growing, scaling, delegating, hiring, you know, doing stuff like that, man. So I just, I'm just enjoying this, uh, this journey that I'm on right now. So I'm 25. Uh, I'm just trying to, you know, just keep, keep going, keep building, keep being better. Cool. Cool. You're 25, you say almost two years doing the insurance thing. You just jumped, you just jumped straight into having your own, uh, your own thing. Uh, no. So when I first became an entrepreneur, uh, I was doing a lot of things at once. So I was trying to like learn Forex. I was doing some affiliate marketing. Uh, I had just got my insurance license. I was in real estate school and I was also trying to learn wholesaling. So I've always been like a, a very like uh, persistent, you know, like a like a hardworking person. So, you know, when you first jump into something, especially like entrepreneurship, you know, you, you want to do everything that you hear about because, you you know, you're just thinking like money, money, money. Um, but I kind of like just have to like slow down and just be like, well, it probably would just be best if I just focus on, you know, growing on like one thing. Um, so, like I said, I became an entrepreneur in May of 2018. I got my insurance license in October of 2018. And uh, at that point, I was with a uh, with the agency. 
So we were doing like a lot of like, uh, it was like recruiting, like a multi-level marketing type type deal. And about a year through it, I just said, I want to just do my own thing. Um, I didn't like the business model. You know, I mean, it's, it's you can make money. It's pretty cool doing like the, the MLM stuff. But like I said, there's no ownership. There's no control. And, you know, one thing about people that aim to be wealthy, one thing that they want is control, you know what I'm saying, ownership. So, um, like I said, I've been independent for about a year and I just got my LLC uh, earlier this year. So, um, like I said, I've been able to expand to seven other states outside of Texas. Um, I have sponsorships at about five golf courses in Austin, uh, three high schools in Texas. Um, Just got our BBB accreditation. Um, and yeah, dude, just like I said, just, just been building growing, man. So how much, how much does it cost to sponsor a golf course? And what does that look like? Uh, so for golf courses, it really depends. Um, so those can go up to like $700 and basically what they reach out to you. A like month? A month? No, just a, just a one-time payment for like oh, a year. Oh. Yeah. So basically what they do is like the golf course or like the high school will like reach out to you. You know, basically, like, you have to build yourself up to, like, a certain, like, you know, prestige before they reach out. You know what I'm saying? So they reach out. They basically say, well, you know, we'll advertise you, you know, for this price. You know what I'm saying? So for the golf courses, you know, they pass out the, like, the car, the scoring cards. Like, I have, like, uh, I have, like, an uh, advertisement in there. And then also, like, on, like, the um, like the holes, like the – you know how they put, like, some, like uh, – I don't know what they call it. I ne- I never, I've never been golfing before. You got to go, man. I, like I, a, I like a, and the tee box. Yeah, like a tee – like, it, it's some type of advertisement they put, like, next to, like, where they about to tee off. And I'll mm-hmm. get, like, an advertisement on that. Um, and then for high schools, I'll get shouts out at the at the game. Um, I actually got these cups right here. I know the, the, the listeners won't see, but I got advertisements on these cups. And then I also got uh, advertisements on these masks too, so they'll pass these out at the football games. Wow. The, uh, so, so how how important is advertising to your business? Oh, it's very important. It's it, I mean everything is pretty much leads driven. So you know you try to you know spread yourself out. I wouldn't say way too much, but you you have to have a strategy. So I feel like. You should have, you know, like a, a big online presence as well as an offline presence as well, you know. So, like mm. I said, uh, Honestly, sponsorships I, are very important. Yeah. I definitely slack in the offline presence field. I need to make Ty Capital real. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on what you're selling. Yeah. I mean, but for I you. Mean, I would like to do other things than just digital products. I feel that, yeah. I mean, yeah, with digital yeah. products, I mean, as long as you have to have just a, a huge base online, you know, ads and then you know, building up a following on social media and, you know, marketing off there as well. So, which you've, you know, you've had hella success at, so. Interestingly enough, I asked the advertising question because I had this thought today. I was like, if you don't advertise, you don't really exist. Like, people literally forget that you even have products for sale if you don't advertise. And then I was thinking about how, like, that's why these companies spend all this money for the Super Bowl ads. It's like, you don't even exist. Or, Another thing is like the ROI on ads is usually tremendous. Yeah. So it's like if you see somebody spending a million dollars on an ad, imagine how much money they're making. We're just looking at like on like a consumer level, like they spent a million dollars on that ad for 30 seconds. Like, no, they just made a hundred million. They just made 15 million off of that ad. Exactly. Ads, man, you can't not spend money on ads. Yeah. They're very big in business. Like you said, if people don't see you, 
and they don't like people should know you for what you do. You know, when you walk in the room, hey, that's you know so and so. He does so and so. You know what I'm saying? So people should definitely know, and it should be consistent for sure. Yeah. So before we get some deeper into uh, Brandon's story, Charles mentioned a little bit about this uh, earlier. So we're gonna touch on real quick the return of the Mobile Barbershop Chronicles. Chronicles, Chronicles, Chronicles. <laughs> man, I'm just glad we didn't die, man. He was getting real <laughs> buck. Um, a lot. I was. I had this thought, and I was like, man, a lot of this stuff is is like being on your toes and being able to think critically because I had a plan when I went out there. That plan kind of went out the window because I couldn't get a rental car. And so then I went all the way out to the um, I went all the way out to the storage center. And since we since I was doing it long distance and I do a million things, I didn't transfer over prior ownership properly. And so I have a storage center that I've been paying one hundred and sixty dollars a month for for the past year that they won't even give me the access code. to. They're like, yeah, we can't give you the access code because your name is not on here. And they're just being like hella difficult. They not only could they not tell me the information for this stuff, they couldn't even tell me who's in the account so I could contact them. So what I had to do was I just had to contact all those people. So I had to call the prior owner. I had to call the prior owner's homeboy who helped me do it. Um, and I also had to track down somebody who's a part of the investment club, but they're no longer a part of the investment club because she helped me do it. And I hadn't talked to her in like a year either. So I was talking to people that I hadn't talked to. Luckily, they were all helpful and responsive. Um, I guess they could kind of sense the urgency. Ended up getting the, the security code. Um, ended up getting the uh, the shop back. My dad kind of met me because my dad, he lives in Georgia. And so he like, <clears throat> I Ubered from the hotel and then he met me at where we we're supposed to meet because the meetup location needed to be a public space so nobody got shot. And so where there's a Chase Bank, but I don't know the area. So I didn't really know it was there, right? And so we pull up to the Chase and I got there before he got there. And so I was like, hmm, what can I do? And so I got the money out of the bank because I had to give him cash for keys. And then I went to the Panera Bread that was across the way. And I was like, all right, Panera Bread is a great location. Starbucks, they're closed these days. Went to Panera Bread. He showed up there. I saw the, the, the truck. He brought in the keys. He brought in that. And I gave him money orders. And we went about our way. So the condition of the truck was not in the condition that we gave it to him. It was like typical tenant condition where they just fuck shit up. <clears throat> and I don't understand how people do this. I, and this is why you can't deal with people with bad credit. Or like what I took from this is when you sense a red flag, you cut all ties. You don't press through them. So one of the red flags is he didn't want to pay the security deposit or the first month's rent up front. Another, another red flag is he didn't never sign the, the contract, really. He like kind of half signed it. It wasn't even his name. It was like a little squiggle. Um, another red flag was... Uh, those are like the most pressing red flags. But then as it went on, it was just issue after issue after issue. So quite honestly, I think I want to get out of the barber business. I just, I don't, I don't think I want to deal with that element of people unless we're going to do something maybe higher end. Mm -hmm. um, and so that matters. And so like when we went to his shop, it wasn't the most thorough shop. It was like literally like a shack. It was like they got a house and it wasn't the best looking house and a community. It wasn't the best looking community. It was like the hood, but it was like, yeah, it was just a really bad situation. I ended up giving him some money to get it back because I had to incentivize him to actually do something because he really had no incentive to do it. The thing is, is like every time I tried to get it back, he always had an excuse. He was like, oh, well, give me two weeks. It's in the shop. Oh, give me this. It's in the shop. Give me two weeks. I'm out of state. 
And so at this point, I was like, it's basically been a year. I'm not letting you push it back anymore. I'm going to go out there myself and get this thing handled. And so that's what I did. We got it back. It was a lot of headaches, a lot of pivoting, a lot of finessing that I had to pull. But I think that's just like the life of a business owner. A lot of people there thinking like a business owner just show up, get a check. Like, no, I had to literally make like a hundred decisions and a whole bunch of calculations and a whole bunch of things, despite the fact that I got this angry dude, uh, like mad. So it was a very unique experience. And I just, I don't, I don't want to be in the business of dealing with ghetto people anymore, man. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to avoid it just because they do business. I mean, they're my people, man. We've already had this conversation. So that's true online. And it's true offline. Like I, and it's really true offline. Like I know offline, like, bro, like the ghetto people get away from them, but like on social media is kind of tough to, to do that. So, but I got, man, like you'd be wanting to save people, but there's still people who like are black and have substance that we can work with. So it's going to be like the bougie black world renaissance or something. <laughs> so people have substance with my man Brandon here. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> we got it. We, we we got it back. And then what I did is um that next day my uncle showed up here. He brought a truck and we just gutted the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So people might have saw a video that I put up, but it doesn't look like that anymore. Like he had trash in there. He had some random speakers in there. All the all the um. All of the barbershop chairs that it came with were gone, like mirrors it came. It was just really bad. But it reminded me of the last time we took possession of a property that from a tenant and Griggs, um, our house we call Griggs, and uh, it was trash, carpet, everything had to be gutted. Um, It's just, I think we need to do better. It's really unfortunate that we would just like destroy somebody's stuff. It's like the same people that are out here trying to say that like white people are holding us down are destroying black people's stuff. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. I'm in the same situation too. I just had to grind it up differently. Um, so stand by your, your principles and your morals. I think that's the most important thing is establishing that system in your business and not compromising on that system because people are gonna, they're gonna make it seem like you owe them something. Like, oh man, you know, it's hard out here, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, okay. Like I used to really be leaning on credit with apps. I'm not leaning on credit anymore. I used to wanna help people. And I used to wanna do stuff. And you know what happens is you get fucked. You take the L. Somebody's gonna take the L, and unfortunately, I wish it wasn't that way. But when I be when you when you try to help somebody, you just get fucked, man. What you got, Raphael? <laughs> you have it. It's facts. That's true. <laughs> so that's true. Brandon, I will ask you. Um, you're 25. You say you've been an entrepreneur for about two years. Yes, sir. So you talked about control and ownership. I would ask you, like, what else, like? made you want to be an entrepreneur. I see you had a tweet saying, I remember busting my ass for them 30 cent raises every six months. Exactly what you just said. Like, um, so basically with me, man, I had, uh, I went to college for a year. Like my parents always preached the, you know, get good grades, you know, go to college, you know, that stuff. So I ended up going to college for a year. Uh, I ended up dropping out after the first semester of my sophomore year. I like quit going to class, like even before the semester ended, I was just like, man, I'm done with this. So, but back then my mindset was different. You know, I was, you know, just happy, you know, making money. So I was working fast food. So at that point, I think I was maybe like 18 or 19 and I was like an assistant manager at a Jack in the box, which really, I mean, you think that title is, is cool, but you know, you're not really making, but $9 an hour, you know what I'm saying? 
So um, basically, you know, like I said, I was making, you know, getting those 30 cent raises. And uh, actually, I was listening to uh, Top Millionaire podcast. And I had already told him this a long time ago. Uh, that when I was first seeing him on my timeline, I didn't like him because I didn't like what he was talking about because my mindset was my mindset was very different. Like he was always talking about business, you know, and being successful in America. And I was more kind of like, you know, like the only way to be successful is to either play sports or be an entertainer or, you know, sell drugs. So what he was talking about, I was like, man, this house Negro, he don't, he don't even know what he's talking about. So <laughs> house Negro <laughs> Millie. <laughs> it had got to a point. Name. He's about to change his Twitter name again. <laughs> <laughs> no, it had got to a point to where I was just seeing him all the time on my timeline, and then I was like, "Man, let me just let me just follow this dude, man. See what he's talking about." So I started listening to his podcast. At the same time, um, I was listening to like Nipsey. I would see I would see Nipsey's like videos where he would talk about you know assets and liabilities, but I was never really listening to his music. So I'm not going to be fake and be like, oh, man, I've been listening to Nipsey since 2010. Like, no, nah, I didn't start till really 2018 when he dropped Victory Lap. Um, and then when I was listening to, uh, to the Top Millionaire uh, podcast, every like he would ask the question, like, hey, what's your favorite business book? And everybody would say the same thing, like almost like damn near the whole every time. And it would be Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I started reading that. And then once I read that, that basically just planted the seed. And I was just like, man, I'm like, nah. I got to quit this job. I was making like $11 and plus like a situation that happened at, at work that day. And I basically told myself, I was like, man, I make $11 an hour. Like, I know I can, you know, make this outside of work, you know, someone is somehow. Um, and at that point I was just doing Uber and then in my free time, um, you know, doing like affiliate marketing and stuff like that. Uh, and then I ended up, you know, growing into the, you know, everything else, but, you know, settling, well, I ain't gonna say settling, but choosing to go with the insurance because, I just feel like that would be the 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 best route. Um, how how important was the content, like maybe podcasts and books, um, in your evolution, which I'll call it evolution, but because it feels like it kind of was like your evolution and thinking. Oh, that's the most important part. Knowledge is the most important part. So if I didn't make the choice to get out of my comfort zone to listen to new things, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. So everything is about, you know, basically like like your diet, you know, what you choose to read and what you choose to listen to. And of course, you know what you choose to eat. You know, if you listen to I, I don't think there's nothing wrong with listening to rap, but my pops always taught me like the importance of like balance. So if you listen in the future all day, you probably going to be a product of what he's rapping about, you know. But if you listen to the future, like, you know, half the time, but then the other half, you probably, you know, you're reading books and podcasts, you probably can separate the artist from the music, you know? Yeah. So it's a, it's a, like I said, knowledge is very, very, very important. And I feel like that's what separates the the poor from the wealthy. Knowledge it's crazy. It's crazy because there's not a lot of podcasts like ours that get these deals, like maybe Joe Budden or like the Gilly the Kid or whatever those dudes' names are. Like we're not getting the big budgets. And I think it's because they don't want to create their competition. Because when you hear like you say that, it, it's interesting because I think that that reigns true for a lot of people. It's, it's different when you see people who come from where you come from, have similar circumstances that have created something. Exactly. And a lot of us, the reason why we think that sports and entertainment and all those things are the only path isn't because it's the only path, but because we're sold that it's the only path. 
Exactly. That's why media is so important. Is so important, and podcasts are so important, especially ones that bring on people who have done things successfully. It just becomes your norm. You believe that you could do it. It's like Michael J- Michael Jordan people believing they could fly. Like I could fly. I yeah. could fly. I could fly. So I just I think that's dope to hear. Yeah, man. It yeah, was like I said. Man, it was. It was. It was. It was a very important, uh, very important piece. Like because, like you just said, like hearing that was my, the first time in my life that I was exposed to black people, you know, being successful outside of entertainment and outside of, you know, being kingpins and stuff like that. Um, So that was a blessing for sure, man. So uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, so hearing your story, I think this first tweet I got from Charles was a pretty good segue because you were, like you said, you had a nice little title, assistant manager, but you were only making like $11 an hour. What happened? That's crazy if you think about it. Yeah. And you're doing a lot too. You're doing a lot too. You're probably running the whole business. Yeah. Ah, uh, that's the thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. That's that's what it is. And they paying you. I was at that point. I was making nine dollars an hour. Dang. Or probably okay. not even that. Probably was like eight eight fifty or something. Like I said, they give you these titles, so it's like you you feel like you really like doing something. You really worth something. You know what I'm saying? They do that in baking. They're like, oh, I'm the vice president. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of a lot of people who work in banking are the VP. Yeah. Right, right, right. And Charles, you said if you can't get your riches from the job, you still got to get them. It's such a, a profound tweet because, and I feel like people don't really, we, we, I'll just say that I have a JD in the, in the wow. MBA and a, a degree in finance, and I still run into walls in the workplace, but I don't run into walls in the world. And so if you are somebody who has substance, it's your responsibility to take that substance to, to the world. We've seen it with capital C. She was making $100,000 at her job annually. And not only, like she was making $100,000 at her job annually, she made $100,000 over the past like three months on her own. And this is why I'm so convinced that they're robbing us because a job will look you dead in the face and say you're worth $10 an hour, but the real world will go out there and they'll pay you $1,000 an hour. Yeah. And so it's like, why, why is there a disparity there? Because they're robbing you. They're getting that thousand dollars of your value, but they're only giving you 10 of it. You manage this Jack in the box. You run the business. The business probably generates thousands per hour, but they're paying you 10 of it. And they make it seem like they're doing doing a solid. Yeah. That's the narrative that they sell to you is you lucky to have this job. No. (laughs) And this is why, it's important to become somebody of substance, to be, become somebody that's valuable by listening to podcasts, by reading books, by being educated. And it doesn't, it doesn't just have to be college education because a lot of this is just stuff that I read outside or some podcast that I listened to or some course that I took. Yeah. But I see so many people who, and, it is, and it's interesting, I had this thought because I, was, I, was, I went to go see my grandma and uh, what they did is they're very, very hard. I come from a hardworking family, and so they've accomplished a lot, but it hasn't been because of their education. And so for me, like, they look at what I've accomplished, and they're like, man, like, you've done so much. And I was like, it's unfortunate, but the reason why I've done it is because I, I looked at where they left off. And I'm like, you could work as hard as you want in the job. In a 70 years old, 77 years old, you're still going to have, like, some problems. You're still going to have some, you are going to be truly free. And I was like, I don't want to not be free. I've seen how this story ends. Like I look at, I look at people's lives and I use that as an example, either positively or negatively. So I see people who are 
flourishing and they're living their life well. I'm like, well, how can I do that? I see people who aren't doing that. I'm like, how can I not do that? And so the, that's just true um, where I've seen people who were, like I have some, some people who I know who never got married or maybe they got married, got divorced. And I see people who got married and they stayed married. And I can look at their whole life. Like I'm always analyzing and looking at people's lives because I'm trying to figure out what I want my life to look like. And so I've just seen like statistically, and it's, I mean, there's definitely some expect some exceptions, but I've just seen marriage take people further. So you're like, why is Charles such a proponent of marriage? Because I'm looking into the future and I'm already seeing how people are living. So I just, I just, I want people to realize like you need that brand. We've seen Paris do it. She literally has created a brand for herself because she just started putting stuff out there producing something and giving value and being affiliated with the right people. She might be coming up here right now. Um, yeah, she is. She said to be in like 15 minutes. Um, and she, and, uh, I just, there's so much money in the world. I always tell people there's more money in the world than there is at your job. There's more people that are willing to pay you than there are at your job. Like you have the ability to get paid by hundreds of thousands or hundreds of millions of people. We can do this stuff globally. And you're over here looking at one dude, expecting one dude to save you. That's risky. You talk about risk. I rather, I rather have the potential of, um, a hundred million people to pay me than one. Facts. And so I, it's it's frustrating because people just don't get it. They don't do it. I don't understand why they rather they rather sit in their job and complain than put themselves out there. And we need people to put people out there because, like I was gonna say, Dan Goti is wealthy because he helps people and he does things for people. You don't get wealthy being a leech. You don't get wealthy extracting, extracting, extracting. We make money because we help people. We change lives. And as a result, we get rich. So if we have more of us changing lives, we'll have less problems. And I say this all the time. It's like, do we want to actually like live in abundance or just complain that we don't got abundance? A lot of people want to complain. So it's easier to complain. It's easier to sit back and just say like, oh, we don't got it because of them. It's hard to, to do what we do, but it's worth it, man. I, I would rather have a hard day's work than just a day sitting at home complaining all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but not a lot of people feel that way, though. They feel good because, you know, they got the welfare and the food stamps and stuff. That stuff is boring, though. I mean, just doing nothing all day. That stuff is just boring. The day is so long. That is true. <laughs> the day is long, man. It's it's almost like a cheat code. Like really, there's no reason to be broke in America. No reason at all. You can literally work a job, do a Uber. You can work a job, work weekends. You can yeah. work a job. There's so many ways to get it. There's so many ways to get it. You can literally start a business from your iPhone these days. Yeah. If you don't got an iPhone, you can use an Android or you can use a tablet. So many ways. Did you guys see that one girl, the lock goddess, who who became a millionaire? Uh, I think I, I think I didn't see her post, but I think I saw somebody post about it. Yeah, I yeah. saw her post near the lock god or something like that. Yeah. yeah, like shout out to that. But the thing is, is she's not the only person killing it. There's so many girls. Like there's another girl like like named Twiley, and she sells like bikinis. And there's another girl. She's or, and then Jackie. She just sold out all her candles. We got to get in the business of selling products, not just hours of our time because that is the wealth multiplier man is selling products yeah that is that's true mm-hmm. so shout out to those ladies i wish we need to get more brothers on that level why why do you guys think that it's the the ladies are killing it and the brothers ain't killing it let's let's talk about that because i'm genuinely curious what you guys think uh i think that goes back to like uh like the 60s 
uh, and I was man, somebody I was I was talking about this on Facebook with the introduction of welfare and then the introduction of also uh, segregation. Now, I'm not saying I'm against like interracial, interracial relationships. I'm not saying that, but it seems like we traded, you know, like business ownership for inclusion into somebody else's, you know, somebody else's system. So, you know, when you get that, like black business owners are losing money. So they have to close their businesses. So since they do that, they can't provide jobs for their black males. So the black males have to go to the white males for jobs and they don't get them. And then you have welfare to where it's like, hey, trade the man for this check. And that's what they do. And then you get the daughters that see that and, oh, I don't need a man. And so now you have a lot of women that are like, well, I really don't need a man. Let me go out and get it by myself. At the same time, it doesn't help because a lot of brothers out here are really fucked off in the head. So um, that's my that's my little thesis on it. It's it's a lot of different factors. What do you think, Raphael? Yeah, like you, like you were just about to say, it's a lot of different factors. I would say like one is. You know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of us are raised by single mothers. Not to blame them, but it's different when you're raised by just a mother yeah. instead of having both parents. Again, that balance and seeing what a man goes out and does. You know, and the woman does it the best she can do, whatever. But he doesn't get the full, he doesn't get the full balance, the full scope of it. Yeah. Another thing to me is. Uh, we see too much. We get. We have this wrong. This this wrong idea about sports and entertainment and selling drugs, which is weird to me. Selling thinking selling drugs is the way to make it because nobody really makes it long term selling drugs. But that's another thing. But to yeah. me, another thing too that might not be thought of so much is, well, like I say, you see the sports, the entertainment. You don't see you don't see uh, a lot of profiles on black businessmen and how yeah. they really really make money and how they really really li- and think about it. Rich people don't really like to put up there how they're really living sometimes because they don't yeah. they don't want that kind of attention. Like imagine how Robert Robert Smith lives. He's not living in some small house like. Just nah, driving. he probably Robert Smith probably got like a big a big house in West Austin, man. Mm-hmm. West Austin, that's where. Cause uh, where I go hiking is like where like the 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 the, the millionaires live. So he probably live in a, a neighborhood I'll be passing up sometimes. And there's some there's some nice houses over there. Yeah, some nice real estate. My my thought process is is a few things. I agree with everything you guys said, and I think that other factors might be kind of like what Raphael was saying, where you're raised in a single mom a household with a single mom, you actually were a, you saw a woman be a provider, and so now you have these women being thought as they need to be providers and they've seen women hustle and go get it. And that kind of becomes a part of their DNA is like, man, mom, she worked multiple jobs. Mom did this, she did that. So it's like, it's just a part of what she expects. Um, and on the other hand, a lot of times, like we always say, like women raise their daughters and kind of baby their sons. And so the, there's right. not a lot of expectations for the men to actually go out there and kill it. It's just excuse after excuse after excuse. And so you have the women who aren't really given excuses, but you have the dudes who are given multiple excuses. They lean on those excuses and they become unproductive. Um, whereas if it's a dad, a lot of times your dad don't have no excuses. Um, your dad's not going to let you give up easy. He's not going to let you quit. He's going to push you to your greatness, whether you whether you uh, really want it to or not. He might have to drag you to your greatness. Um, the other is I feel like people tend to support women more. And so I feel like kind of like when um, you have like a woman sales associate, women tend to outsell men 
Um, so I think that if you put a woman in front of your business, you're going to tend to kind of get those numbers. Um, it's less threatening to support a woman. I think that that's unfortunate, but I've seen like a lot of times, like even if a woman's dope, nobody's really threatened by that. And that's why in America, like they always, like when you go to war, I don't know if I ever put, talked about this one here, but when you go to war, you don't kill the women and the children, you kill the dudes. And so we had a community where the dudes were taken out, but the women and children were spared. And then the women and children are like, look at us, we win it. Like, no, we lost. Y'all just got to survive. <laughs> so uh, congrats on your survival because the, the, the culture still lasts. You just happen to still be here. And so I think that's very important because the culture doesn't win unless all of us wins. It's not just like, oh, black women are doing well, so that's cool. Like, no, if black women are doing well, but black men aren't, the culture's losing. Um, so that's kind of what I got to say about that. Visit GetLaces.com. Get your sneakers look just like everyone else's. Could your sneakers use an upgrade? Be sure to slide on down to GetLaceLaces.com and grab some premium laces. These laces will make your sneakers stand out, guaranteed. That's www.getlacedlaces.com. Premium shoes need premium laces. Go get yours now. You can also connect on social media at Principal P DMC. You know what? To add on that real quick, like why you said is really important. To you said like women raise their daughters and baby their sons. Like that's definitely true. Like we're, too many of us are just soft, like really soft and. Women, they know what their daughters are going to go through in life. And they, like, prepare their daughters for that. Right, right. Like, there's things that they just know, right? So it's like, you, you're kind of, if you are, like, a woman trying to raise a boy, you literally don't even know anything. You're just guessing. You're just trying to kind of do your best. But if you're a woman, you know, no. You've experienced it. You've lived it. You know how dudes are. You know, that's the same thing is true with daughters and their dads. It's like daughters who have their dads, their dad's already given them the game. And so they can't, you can't run the game on a woman who's been given the game. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right. And then it's like, um, it's somebody, I saw somewhere somebody was saying like, you know, when women have a natural, they have a natural thing that makes them grow up and mature. Like that they, they, they when a woman gets pregnant, it's like, it's on her now. It's like, you can't, you can't run away from a pregnancy if you're a woman. A man can dip off and not call you again, never show up again, never take care of that baby. But that baby is with, with you. So you get serious. And you're like, you, you might not be able to get a regular job. So you might have to start a business. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's true. Let me get serious. But nevertheless, just, shout out to those ladies. Yep. Just our opinions. Yeah. Our opinions, but for the young guy there, Charles, you you were talking about cheat codes, and you also had a tweet saying marriage is a life hack. Um, I always say that, and so disclaimer: we went to Atlanta and we ended up at a club. Actually, no, we we went to <laughs> we went to Atlanta and we were at a restaurant, and like there was this girl there with like um, this these short shorts, and her butt cheeks were hanging out of her shorts, and she was like a nice looking light skinned chick. And so, um, like, we ended up, like, talking to them or whatever. We were just, like, casually talking to them at the bar. And, like, it just – it's interesting how she can have nothing going on for her, but she becomes the prize. Like, she, like, does nails for a living. She has all these different things for – like, she's really not killing it. But, like, you could be out here chasing her trying to get some ass. And I was like, that's crazy. You're really about to spend all this money buying her Don Julio 1942, <laughs> buying her food, paying for her to get into the club, doing all this other stuff. And like, 
exhausting all this energy, and then you still not might get, you still might not get what you want. And I was like, that is just a crazy way to live. And there's people who literally, that's their life. I was like, that is exhausting. Like, it's exhausting mentally, emotionally, and financially. You're going to exhaust all your resources because one of the things that I realized about Atlanta, it's a lot of fine women. It's a lot of women out there. It was so many women that it's like, it's just exhausting even being around all that, that just energy. It's like, this is just crazy. Like, I'd rather put that energy into my business. And I feel like that's what I do is the reason why my businesses are where they are is because I'm not doing that shit. If it's a Friday night or Saturday night, I'm working on my business. If it's a Thursday night or Friday night, I'm working on my business. If I'm texting somebody, it's about business, not about butt cheeks. And I've talked about that before, but like <laughs> my money goes back into my business. <laughs> that's real. And and that's why it's, it's, it focuses you. It focuses your energy. You become a laser, not a shotgun. You become a laser, not just somebody who's just out there just firing stuff. Now it's like goals, goals. And especially once you have a kid, um, I just, it's truly a hack. And I, I want us to reshape the narrative of what marriage is because we were stronger when we were together. And I look at like a lot of people who don't really have that. And I kind of feel bad because I want us all to have that, but I just know like society doesn't really enforce it like that. Society doesn't value marriage. They're just like, oh, if it happens, it happens. Um, another thing that I said was about like how, when I first got married, I didn't, I, I was in law school. So the ring that I bought my wife was just like a little, like it wasn't much, like looking back, I'm like, I could have done better. And I've always wanted to get her like a nice ring. And so two years ago, I finally got her that ring, but that was after we'd been married for like maybe two years, three years. And so like, while we're going through this whole situation, I could tell she wanted a different ring. Like I could tell she wanted a bigger ring. Um, and I told her, I was like, it's gonna come, I'm gonna get it, don't even trip. And so we got that. And now I'm in the process, her birthday's in two days of getting an even bigger ring. And we're gonna double the ring that I had before. And I told somebody, I was like, imagine if she was one of these chicks who wanted the ring that she has now or the ring that she's getting in order to even get into the beginning phase. And that's what so many people want. They're like, I'm not even getting married until I can get a rock like that. And their values are jacked up. And that's why like we have so many people who are getting older and they're single. And it's like, you're a dope person. Why are you, why are you single? It's because people's expectations, their values and what they think is important isn't really important. And so I say all that to say, I think there's a lot of really dope people that should be married. And I'm just trying to figure out how we're going to make it happen. How we're going to get them married. Cause I know too many dope people. You know, anybody in Austin, Texas? <laughs> uh, I know somebody in Dallas, Texas. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm young, man. But I, I understand what you're saying now. And marriage is important, but shit, man, right now, man, I'm, I'm young, man. I'm trying to, I'm not even focused on, I'm not, I'm not focused on chasing women. Like I'll say that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not out in the club. I ain't never really been a club rat. I ain't never really been on that, but I do have like certain goals before I want to step into that marriage field. Like I want to make sure like I'm getting to a point to where of course I can take, you know, care of myself, Mm -hmm. but I need to up it up a little bit before I even get serious with anybody. So once I do that, then, then yeah, for sure. Cool. Cool. You you gotta, you gotta hit the links, man. You're sponsoring well, you said three golf courses? No, uh, six. So six golf courses mm. in Austin, uh, two high schools in a couple suburbs, a couple suburbs uh, north of Austin, and then um, a high school in the suburbs in Dallas. 
uh, where uh, Deion Sanders coaches at uh, Trinity Christian. That's cool. Deion Sanders coaches high school. Yeah, he's a he's a offensive coordinator. I think I'm pretty sure his son's a quarterback. It sounds like a ESPN like top three hundred uh, top hundred cat. He's a he's a He's a good. He's a good athlete. Mm, that's cool. That's cool. So, how did you say you started off work? You worked under a um, a company, right? When you were doing life insurance. So yeah. So when I first got my license, I got it through a agency, and it was called uh, WFG. Uh, stands for World Financial Group. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, like what it is, is they get licensed to do like insurance and investments, but the company's main goal isn't really like sales. It's really like recruiting. So uh, that's what like said. That's what you was calling a, a kind of a MLM type. Yeah, type no, thing. yeah, no, yeah. It's it's MLM. So they'll start you off at like a lower commission. And for you to like move up, you know, you got to go recruit, you know, X amount of people and then you got to have X amount of people licensed under you, mm-hmm. you know. So I was, you know, in the process of moving my way up and then I was just realizing I was just like, man, like I'm tired of like introducing myself to somebody and telling them that, you know, I'm with WFG, you know, I didn't like saying that. Like I like to, like I said, man, I like control, man, I like ownership. So, like I said, I want to just do my own thing because it's, it's more money in doing what I do, and I have my own business model. So, yeah, I was like, I have to do my own thing. So, and they were mostly, they were like life insurance and like um, securities. So, uh-huh. like, uh, like Roth IRA, stuff like that. Um, but, so, the brokerage that I'm building is more like life and health. So, That's we do. Straight like up insurance. Yeah, straight, just, just insurance. Yeah, yeah, nothing, no annuities. I'm licensed to do annuities, but... No annuities, no securities, nothing like that. Gotcha. Well, um, what would you say was, was the benefit of you going through that company, that agency, when you first started off? Uh, the big benefit was basically getting my license for free. So, mm-hmm. and then they taught me, they, they taught me how to sell it as well. You know what I'm saying? Um, but what I do and what they do is basically two different things. So when I was with them, of course, I had mentors, you know, mm-hmm. basically showing me how to stay motivated how to go out and get recruits and stuff. But it's like now I really don't have, you know, like a straight mentor that's, you know, done what I've done. You know, it's just me basically, you know, taking different, you know, business courses, sales courses, marketing courses, reading different books, you know, listening to different podcasts and stuff like that. So basically just been, you know, um, I basically just like fell in my way up. Some things don't work. You know, you just keep trying, keep going. So gotcha, gotcha. it's been pretty good. How would you, what would you do differently if you had to do it all over again? Um, if I could go back, I would focus on straight up insurance and not do so many things at one time because most of 2019, I was getting a wholesaling too. So I lost a lot of money like doing wholesaling because even though I had the mentors, mm-hmm. I was still trying to do stuff on my own. So I was losing, I was losing a lot of money. Like I was getting deals like 2019. I think I got, I got about six deals, six contracts and none of them closed. Uh, two of them actually closed negative. So one, I lost $3,000 and then another one, I lost $500. So, mm-hmm. and then plus I was spending money every month, you know, on different you know, tools to, you know, help you out with the whole wholesaling game. So if I can go back, I would have put all that time and energy into just straight insurance. Um, Cause where I'm at now, I probably would have been at, you know, six months ago. So. Got you to focus more, huh? Focus more. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I definitely, uh, when people are starting out, I definitely would, you know, advise people to just focus on one thing at a time, you know, build yourself up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't, of course, you know, I, I got plans on getting into, you know, other things, 
Um, but definitely like one thing, one thing at a time. So, uh, let me ask you, do you have people, do you have people are licensed under you right now or no? On your uh, no, 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 not right now. I do have employees, but, uh, they're more on the like ads content, oh. um, search engine optimization side of my business. So just like just straight marketing. Um, uh, but my goal with that is to get that more strategized. Um, oh and you know put more money into but once i get that done then that's when i'll uh i'll start actually you know starting to hire um already like my mom is already licensed i actually have recruited her when i was with wfg so she's basically on the sidelines just waiting on me to get my stuff together um but she'll she'll most definitely be my first my first hire so she's just she's waiting on me to get my get what i need to do get uh get together so that's cool man yeah you bring your mother on as the first agent under your, under your agency yeah. that's really cool and you yeah. say that um two things made me that that makes me think think of two things one it that's another benefit of having your own thing your own business that you can put your family on that this is what charles always talks about it's like more than it's more than just you about just just you and exactly. it reminds it reminds me of a tweet charles said something about he's about to retire his mother and i i kind of laughed when i saw that it wasn't fun it wasn't a funny tweet but i laughed when i saw that because i don't know charles's mother but i've worked with charles's mother and i know she's like a cpa with a lot of experience so for him to retire to be able to retire her yeah. that's not like a small that's, that's not a small thing that's not a small that's thing major. Like she's not like making like ten dollars an hour, so to be able to retire, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a, major. That's a big piece of chicken, Charles making. Yeah. You better come over here and work for Todd Capital, though. Yeah, I mean that's the goal, man. That's the that's the goal. That's the big goal. That's the goal. So like I said, I'm just trying to just keep building, just keep striving towards it. But I I got like a like a little goal sheet up on my wall, so that's definitely one of my goals, man. Retire retire your wife. 2020 and retire your mother 2021 facts that's a new key talk goals so brandon a big part of the reason we brought you on tonight is like i said earlier september is life insurance awareness month and you said no matter what age you are in life life insurance is definitely something to add to your overall financial portfolio talk about oh, big facts big facts big facts so yeah um so life insurance is about 20 percent uh, of what my brokers can do However, that is mostly what we do. Um, and basically the way I have it set up is we have, you know, specific products just for children, uh, specific products, you know, for, you know, seniors, elderly people, and then, you know, a lot of products for, you know, adults. So we do, um, you know, term insurance, all kinds of permanent insurance, um, final expense insurance, uh, children's whole life insurance, stuff like that. Um, so, like I said, me personally, my, how my business set up personally, we can we can supply the whole family. Yeah, a lot of a lot of businesses can't say that though. I'm not gonna say no names, but a lot of businesses. Don't <laughs> we'll say no names, man. We'll say no names. I mean, you guys say Charles. Um, I was just gonna say that um, Brandon actually he did my insurance policy. And we're gonna get another insurance policy and probably get another one after that too. So get one for my wife and then get one for my son. Um, but knowing that I was going to Atlanta and was probably going to die, it felt good knowing I had some insurance. You know? Well, my pleasure. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of people out here living in war zones and no life insurance, so they need to get it some policies. 
Right. I'm trying to I'm trying to reach trying to reach the hood. People get life insurance, man. It's so affordable, man. Oh yeah, very. I don't know. People have this like um um this thought that it's I mean for some people it, it can get it can get like pricey. I'm not gonna lie, like if I've had clients come to me and say, Hey man, I have you know, my dad doesn't have a policy, he's eighty years old and I mean once you turn eighty it's kinda like limited on what you can get. So it's like, can I get them covered? Yeah, but you know, it might be, you know, for a, a, at that age for like a ten thousand dollar policy, you know, you might be paying into the hundreds, you know, which might not mm-hmm. seem worth it. But I mean, like I said, get life insurance as early as you as you possibly can, because once you get the older you get, like once you get past like that sixty age, like it is very very limited. One of the things um, I was gonna say is before when I was going to get life insurance, it was never really, I always kind of saw it as like an expense, as like a bill. But when I had my son, I started seeing it as like an investment where it's like, this has to be here because it's like, you're just doing your part as, I mean, as a father to make sure it's there. So it's just interesting, like as your life circumstances change, that life insurance takes on a different importance and different role. Um, I was going to ask you, I know Derek Grace, a lot of times he talks about like, and I think Jay Morris has even talked about it as well. Like they have this like insurance hacking kind of process where you get a life insurance policy on like an older person in the family and then everybody chips in and pays the premium knowing that enforcing when she does pass that at least now you have some resources for the family. Have you seen people do that or is that really a thing? Yes, I, I, I do have clients that do that. So really? it might be it might be a, a grandmother, uh, and they might put like a hundred thousand dollar policy, and it might be like ten grandkids um, that pay into it. Now, the only thing that if people are listening and they they think that they want to do that, the only con about that though is that when you have more than one person paying on somebody else's life insurance policy, there's only one bank. So if you guys would ever like, you know, get into like a fight or the relationship messes up and somebody says, well, hey, I don't want to pay anymore, you know, then whoever bank account that policy is on, the responsibility is on you. So if it goes, you know, if it's, if it's at a point to where, you know, there's a premium of like, I don't know, $200 and y'all are splitting that 10 ways, everybody's paying $20 a month, you know, it can end up to where you're paying $200 a month that people don't want to pay if that's your bank account. So, like I said, I have people do it, but I always advise people like, hey, like, make sure, you know, y'all are on the same accord. You know, if y'all do ever get mad, I mean, that's definitely like a possibility. But, uh, you know, I can I can definitely make it happen for sure. Do you see black folks doing that? Oh, yeah. Most of my clients are black. Yeah. Mm. When it comes to life insurance, like my my life insurance, most of my clients are black. Uh, like health insurance, uh, it's it's black, it's black and white. Um, but I would say probably like like ninety ninety five percent of my of my life insurance clients are are black Americans. Are you licensed to do health insurance in California too, or just life? Um, so in California, I am, but for the companies that I'm with, they don't have any networks in California. So I do, uh, Obamacare insurance and non-Obamacare insurance. However, with Obamacare, I only want to focus on, uh, Texas because once you start going into different counties, different states, there's so many like certifications and different like companies that this county might have. And it's, it's too much. It would be too much training I would have to do for another agent. You know what I'm saying? Even though I can do it, but my, the training process, it would be too strenuous. And I don't want to do that. 
Um, but so for no, for California, I don't. I actually don't have. I can do dental and vision, but that's pretty much it. Interesting. And then life insurance and uh, Medicare, but as far as health insurance, no. I think that's health insurance is the only thing I can do in California. So this is interesting. That's interesting. Uh, people get your life insurance because your responsibility to your family does not end with your death. Yeah, it's the uh, like I said, it's the easiest way to pass on wealth, and I think it was. Um, I, f- I forgot who it was. It was somebody on DJ Vlad. He basically was like, whenever you die, somebody else is supposed to come up. Mm. I forgot who it was, but he said, whenever you die, somebody else is supposed to come up. So I definitely, that's something that the, the listeners should definitely ponder on. Um, it's better to pass on a policy than to pass on some debt. So Yeah, like Brandon says, easiest way to pass on wealth. Uh, I think about it, especially if you, you don't make a huge income and you know that you haven't really done the things that will put you in position, at least not yet, to where you're going to pass on true wealth to your children, the very least you can do is get some life insurance. I mean, first the first thing is at least cover your, your burial so that they don't have to raise funds just to put you in the ground because that's yeah, going to be at least, what, eight to $10,000 at least? Uh, it depends. Depends on <clears throat> depends on state, man. So I know in Austin, it's gonna run you about twelve to fifteen thousand. But like you said, some some places it'll it'll be pretty it'll be pretty low. But it also depends if you want to get like a traditional funeral or like a cremation. Um, prices will you know differentiate. Um, but yeah, and then also something else I wanted to say: uh, a lot of people look at life insurance as only death insurance. So. For some people, you know, they might have a term policy. They might feel like, oh, well, I don't want to buy a term because I can't, I can't use it, which is a lie because most, if not all, life insurance policies uh, come with something called accelerated death benefits, which mean if you, God forbid, to anybody listening to this and you guys as well, um, if you got like a cancer or like a stroke or, you know, something of that magnitude, you can actually access your death benefit to help you cover, you know, the medical bills. Cause I mean, not everybody has $50,000, you know, to cover, you know, chemotherapy and stuff like that. So having a life insurance policy, not only are you setting your descendants up for after death, but you're also having, you know, a safety net for you, you know, if you got, you got too sick. So, so win, win. I know um, when I used to work in financial advising, I was actually insured. I was actually licensed to be, to sell insurance, I didn't realize that's the real hack. If you are a financial advisor and you are getting started, just sell the insurance products. That's going to allow you to get your commission as opposed to trying to be Mr. Warren Buffett right at the gate. So um, that's one thing. But um, I remember the way we used to position life insurance was, let's say you're somebody who has a million dollars. You you don't want to like die and then all your assets are used to take care of your obligations. You want to die, use your life insurance to take care of your obligations and then pass on your assets to your family. Because imagine, and we're not even saying you have a million dollars in the bank. Let's say you just own property and now your family's having to liquidate your assets to take care of your obligations, to pay off your student loans, to pay off whatever, any obligations. You don't want to be that person. So it's a, it's a way to protect your assets as well um, in death. Yeah. So Charles, you had a tweet saying, I think we really need to get an explanation on this one. You said, being poor keeps you poor. Yeah, man. Um, I was I was in Atlanta and I just kept having conversations. Every time I'm out there, like my people know I'm like real estate and wealth. So that's what they talk to me about. And so we're always talking about like our family members who own businesses or 
own real estate or own land or own homes. And it's like, we don't have it anymore. And it's like, either it was taken by like the government for taxes or it was taken by the bank because they foreclosed on it. And so, for example, I have a, a cousin, she owned a home and I think she owed like $20,000 in that home. And they ended up, I want to say foreclosing on that property. The bank did $20,000 and shit. Somebody came in, bought the house for pennies on the dollar, put some money into it and sold it for $150,000. So imagine like there are people who like when my grandma lives, they're going through and they're cherry picking certain things. And my grandma paid like a long, like 20 years ago, she paid like $50,000 for a house. And now there's people who are buying those homes from like the older people or people who are moving and they're maybe paying like wholesale prices. And so whatever they, whatever that wholesale price looks like, then they're going and they're rehabbing it and they're turning these homes in my grandma's market in my grandma's area into like $200,000 homes. So there's a difference between what you owe on the property, what the property is worth as is, and what the property is worth as it's fixed up. But if you just give it away for the debt, you don't even get the as is value because I'm pretty sure you have some equity. So if my grandma owes money on her house, but the comps in her area are $200,000, but she paid 50 for it, that means she could probably at least sell it for $100,000. The problem is if you can't pay the taxes, if you can't manage the mortgage, you're going to lose out on $50,000 in upside just because you couldn't manage the little $30,000 that you had sitting there. And so that's what happens is somebody dies and people can barely take care of their own obligations, let alone take on grandma's obligations. And so, so they're like, well, I guess I'll just let it go. But then I realize like, you're not just, you're not just letting go of the house. You're letting go of all the money that's attached to the upside, but you didn't know they took advantage of it. They stole your house. This is what a lot of times people do. They, they steal your equity. You fall on bad circumstances where you pressured, where you're rushed, where grandma's not there. And so you're like, well, I'll just give it away to the, the guy who's going to give me the most cash the fastest. And usually you're getting robbed. Usually they're giving you a lot less than what it's worth. Usually if if you have 30000 in that house, if you were to just get a loan and put the 30000 in it yourself, you could sell it for 200000 And so not only because we're poor financially, but also poor mentally and not even knowing how this whole game works, you're getting robbed. And the crazy part about it is I've never seen gentrification like this in my life, but I know this because I've been to my grandma's house like for years upon years. Like I grew up there and whenever you like my grandma's house is red brick, but all the homes that are new are white brick. They just paint them white. And so when my grandma's house is like two homes over, there's a white house. And then the house that's next to her that I knew the girl who used to live in that house, like we grew up together. That lady just sold her house. She got married. She's moving. She's going to be living somewhere else. So that house is going to be a white house in less than six months. And so like gentrification is right next door. And so what's the empowering stance? The empowering stance is for me to come in, buy the house and put a lien on the property. And that's what I saw Al do for all his friends. <laughs> Al, Al got rich, he paid off his friends' homes. They don't have to worry about paying a mortgage, but now you can't sell that house. You can't foreclose that house. You can't even take it back well, for taxes is different. You can take it back for taxes, but like outside of taxes, which usually, usually like you'd make sure that you're paying the taxes. So that would be something that if I did that, I want to put like a lien or a deed of trust in the property. So not even my family members can't even sell that property without paying me. And so you basically, it's a very, it's, I used to do it all the time. And so since I can do that, I'm going to not only protect my grandma and allow her to live for free, but I'm also going to protect it from somebody calling her up one day and swindling her. She's a smart lady, but these dudes are smart. And they've figured out a lot of different ways to take the property. It's not even just property taxes. 
it's a lot of different factors that they can put in place to, to take your property. And so we as a, as a community, protecting grandma's house shouldn't just be grandma's responsibility. It should be all our responsibility. And so that's one thing I was talking about. It's like the property taxes shouldn't just be left on one person. We could all pitch in a little hundred bucks, 200 bucks a month to, to take care of the property taxes. But a lot of times it'll fall on one person. And so we got to start taking a community approach to protecting our wealth because wealth is community. It's not just one person's responsibility. All of us should be working towards making this happen. If that would have happened, like, I just get tired of it. It, sound, it sounds like some whole shit. People just taking your shit. You just like, oh man, they took my assets. Like, y'all just okay with getting robbed all the time? I'm not okay with that. I don't. I don't feel like anybody is bigger than me or better than me when it comes to non nigger shit. Like, if it's a nigger shit, I'ma lose the nigger shit battle. But if it's like some regular civilized human being stuff, we going toe to toe every day. <laughs> I feel you. Winning the battle of nigger shit is not. You don't even win when you win the most. When you like the most. The biggest N-word, like, you didn't win. That's why I don't want to engage. If it was really lucrative on the other side of winning that battle, I think I would engage. But it's not. <laughs> am, I, am I lying, Rafael? Do you get an award no. for being the biggest thug? You don't. Being the biggest goon? No, you probably go to jail. And up six feet deep early. Yeah, you get street cred. I don't yeah. know street cred. I don't the street cred. Oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. That's always actually been a goal of mine is to pay off my grandma's house. Like in the back of my mind, I knew I was doing things to get that taken care of. So it's kind of cool to be able to do that. Um, and that's why I, I feel my, like, yeah. I helped my, uh, I helped my great grandmother out this year with her property taxes. Luckily she gets, uh, I think like a homestead exempt is what it's called. So that's what you're taxes, supposed to get. Yeah. Her taxes. Well, she's 82 and she gets around real good. Um, but so she lives in a heavily gentrified area, but what she got, and I don't know how come other people don't get this. I don't know. I don't know why, how she qualifies, but other people don't, but she got the city to come remodel her house basically. So she got like new windows, frames, wow. foundations, uh, painting, stuff like that. So her, her house, it doesn't look like, you know, one of these like modern, you know, these new California modern homes. But it looks like a nice new house, though. So yeah. she's doing that. She's doing that for us. You know, um, what's funny is you you got to kind of like hide your you got to hide from gentrification, kind of. So it's like if you if you bring your house up to code, they can't be over here like, oh yeah, you need to sell us your house because this is fixed. This needs to be fixed. This needs to be fixed. Like you just got to like blend it. You got to upgrade with the upgrades. You can't be over here just complacent. Right. It don't even it's, it, especially if you do it over time. Right. You can paint your door turquoise too. <laughs> like don't be like i feel like that's that can kind of hold down your property value is if you don't move with the with the time that could hold down your value in general if you don't adapt if you don't evolve you're going to lose and then you're going to blame them like no you you just didn't evolve like coronavirus time people want to people want to approach coronavirus time like you ain't in a fucking pandemic like bro adapt digital business where it's at now. So you need to figure out how to do it, or you're just gonna be, you're just gonna be the person we, we talked about who once was. Mm. So I, I gotta paint my grandma's house white. That's my goal. And that's one of the goals. I was also, I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking through this. It's because I mean, we're over here doing stuff that most people have never done. Like we're over here saying, okay, gentrification is coming. How can we participate? How can we be a part of this as opposed to getting rolled over by it? I don't think they really care if they can't like kick you out as long as you kind of like fit in right like 
don't know. That's that's always been my experience with white folks. Like white folks, as long as you shucking, like I don't, I don't say shucking jive, but as long as you like, like <laughs> I don't know how to really explain. explain as long as you're not a quote unquote like nigga, they gonna they gonna be cool with you. Right. Exactly. 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 Like even with cops, like cops, cops show up and be like, yes sir, no sir. What do you need, man? Where are you going? Oh, blah 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 blah. Then it's like, okay, have a nice day. But if you like, what you pulling me over for? Blood. <laughs> then they really gonna fuck with you. Then they gonna message you, and then you be like, "Oh, it's because I'm like, no, it's because you turned up. You turned up. You fought the police officer." <laughs> I'm painting my grandma's house white. <laughs> God, Brandon can't even talk, man. <laughs> and, uh, Brandon, that was funny. Brandon, you had a tweet saying, "I refuse to be old and broke." And old and fat. That's lame. Facts. Facts. Health is wealth, man. That's why uh, shit, I, I work out five times a week. I eat healthy. And I'm, I'm ready to, uh, I'm willing to sacrifice, you know, a lot of extra fun. You know, I'm not a, ro- <clears throat> I'm not a robot. So I still have my fun from time to time. But uh, like I said, I'm willing to sacrifice, you know, for the greater good, for the greater future. Um, I am going to be in California later this year. I might, I might go to L.A. I might be out there, Charles. What part of California were you going to outside of LA? Well, I'm gonna be staying in San Diego, but I'm thinking yeah. about just taking a day trip up to LA because I've never been I've never been to California before. Most people do that. They're like, I'm going to San Diego, but I'm gonna drive up to LA downtown, come kick it with Ty Millie, and maybe like have a drink at yeah. the Continental or something. You know? I'm down. Well, I'm trying to I go. Gonna... I, honestly, man, I'll be I'll be real honest, but the real reason why I want to go to LA. It's because, man, I want to go to Compton, bro. <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> but I just want to just see it for myself. I don't go to Compton, man. This guy crazy, man. I don't he go young. to Compton. I, Charles, he young. Charles, he young. <laughs> the the most the most hood that I see in down in, in LA is downtown LA. It'd be kind of rough oh, yeah. out here too. They'd be wilding out. Um, I was gonna say you do look healthier, man. Oh, thank Your face you. Face look slimmer, you know. Thank you. Yeah, I've been on this keto diet. Yeah, appreciate that. Five days a week working out. Yeah. Well, really six because I, I go hiking on Sundays. Okay. Do you think that getting your money up helped you kind of become more focused on getting your health up? Uh, actually, it was the other way around. Really? So I started – well, this is what happened. So I started losing weight. And then in 2018, once I got an entrepreneurship and my money started getting better, I started gaining my weight back because I was eating. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so now I'm just like, oh, man, I kind of kind of gained my weight back. So it's time to, it's time to get back down. So, but yeah, I lost the weight before, before I even knew anything about financial literacy. Interesting. Very interesting. I just feel like the, the two times, they usually go hand in hand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Takes big, big energy to uh, make big money. Yeah, that is true. You got Raphael. We got to hit these tweets hard. Yeah, trust me. We haven't really hit any tweets. Yeah, we've been talking. We've been talking about some stuff tonight. You said Charles, get around wealth because you never know when you're going to need those tools. Um. Yeah. So I think that's. I got that idea when I was talking about uh, putting the deed of trust against my grandma's home to secure the money that I have in there. Because quite honestly. Real estate isn't really buying, isn't really spending money. Like, especially if you can put a lien on the property, like you can secure your, it's like, it's, I'd rather have it in a property than have it in, in a bank account getting $5 a month. And so um, just seeing all the things that Al was doing, I noticed that I do those things too. Like I realized Al made all his money in business 
and he stored it in real estate. Al made his money in business and then he started getting into lending. Then he started doing things to help out his friends and family. You have all this money. It's like, what the fuck am I going to do with this? But I can't help my friends and family improve their life. Because think about it. It's like my grandma has to pay off that mortgage. She's going to be paying. She might honestly, like, I don't even really mean to, like, I don't want She might actually pass away before she pays off that house. I feel like that would suck. Yeah. Like, that really, to me, is the definition of, like, what Julian Gordon always talks about, like, the death pledge. Like, the mortgage, mortician, mort meaning death. And then gauge meaning like I think they meant pledge, like pledge, pledge so like a mortgage. Yeah, pledge, no, yeah. So it's like that would be crazy to die and have a mortgage, and then honestly, that's just a way for the bank to take your house again. So it's like you really just rented. It looked like ownership, but it really was just long-term rental shit from the bank, and it's it's sad. But I think that's why it takes a whole community to build wealth and preserve wealth and create wealth, and we got to stop doing this individual stuff. I talk about this all the time, like even in business, it's not my business and your business, it's our business. My business takes care of everybody. So why the F am I the only person pushing it? You, you should be, if, if you eat off the business, you should be pushing the business. Not just sitting there, letting me do all the work. And it's like, cool, can I get my cut now? It's like, no, like, does that even make sense to you, Raphael? No, they all no. eat off of it. Like everybody eats. So everybody used to be marketing it, advertising it, promoting it. Because what do you think pays the house uh, expense? What do you think pays for those groceries and those target trips and those all that is the business? It ain't right. the job. Right. And so I, I would just say that that's the only reason I would say that working is good is it gets you on the other side and you get to see this stuff in real life. Um, just the conversations, the products you're going to work on. Every time that I work for rich people, I study rich people. I'm not just over there just doing my job. I'm like, okay, how did you get here? What did you do differently? And it won't even be them giving me game. Like the firm that I work in now is a father-son situation. The father started the business. The son stepped into the business. The son still runs the business. The father still participates. The, The business that I just left, the father started the business. The son came in. The father still participates. We have this this culture where men think that at 18, my job is done here. And if I help you be successful, then it's not really success. We think that you have to get out there and you got to grind it up and scrape it up and depend on nobody else but you. And we're the only person playing life like that in America. Every single person out there, you got a dad and a son working together. And that's why I made, my son's not going to live like that. My son's not going to be peace. Good luck. No, not only do we have these businesses, We've been building these businesses. I started these businesses when you were young. So now when you're 18, they're fully grown businesses, just like you were fully grown. And you don't realize these things if you only hang around people who think like that. You got to get around money to see how money moves. And the people who don't get around spaces like that, they aren't going to get it because they ain't been in those spaces. But I always tell people like, if we can sit around here and say, that we can't win because our environment's not the greatest, but we're not out there looking for a better environment, then at that point in time, it's just a choice. You made a choice to stick in that environment knowing it's not furthering you, knowing it's not progressing you. Everything that I am is because of the environments that I put myself in on purpose. So what you sipping on, man? Bumble. I still have this bottle. <laughs> that rum, right? I'm on, I'm only drinking one. I'm only drinking one tonight. I had to. I had to take the edge off, but I'm not. I'm not getting pulled up. <laughs> I promise. I got to drive. Gotcha. So, Brandon, you had a um, 
you're a young guy, 25 years old, but you, you had a tweet saying, I can afford a note on my dream car, but why pay an extra three to $400 a month when I can just keep driving this paid off Corolla while putting that extra money back into business? I'm coming for a new whip soon. So my question to you is, where do you get this mentality from? Man? You're, su- you're such a young guy, man. I mean, you're a young dude, you got, you got, you got dreads, you got the bust down watch. It's not a rolly, but you know. <laughs> Uh, I mean, like I said, man, just, just, just like, just reading about what, what wealthy people do. And then also seeing like family members, like get caught up in the whole like liability mistakes. So I got a cousin, he, he, he probably gonna listen to this podcast. I don't know. But so, like I said, I got a paid off 2004 Toyota Corolla that, that runs great. He went out and he got him, uh, at the time it was, it was a brand new like Honda. It was like a nice Honda. So his note without the insurance, I think it was about like $500. So not, that's not including the insurance. So he's paying all this money. And then he had, I I guess he, he he messed up. He he had made a mistake or something and uh, his car got repoed. So I'm just like, man, I don't want to like, I can afford that, but like at the end of the day, you're doing it to like impress people or to show people, you know, that you on this type of status. You know what I'm saying? So, like I said, I'm willing to sacrifice that for right now because I'm only 25. So I do that for you know a few years. You know, by the time I'm 28, you know, I'm still somewhere frugal, but I'm also, you know, you seeing a little bit of shine. You know what I'm saying? But like I said, I'm always going to be smart with my money. Uh, I read a lot of books about how Jews move. Uh, matter of fact, I'm reading this book right now. It's called The Kabbalah of Money. So basically about how, how Jews move. So I'm just trying to, you know. Speaking like, of books, you have a tweet. I'm pretty sure it's your tweet. And you're always talking about how important it is to read certain books. And you always share different books you're reading. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of talk about that tweet? Um, you, I've seen you post it a few times. Uh, I mean, I tweet, I tweet a lot about books. Um, are you talking about like a specific book or? It was, um, I think you said like one of the keys to success is to read books on like black wealth. And then you post. Oh, like- oh, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so like we were talking about earlier about being exposed to, you know, black people that have been, you know, successful. So um, that Think and Grow Rich, A Black Choice uh, by Dennis Kimbrough. Uh, was a book that I posted, and then also by the same author, uh, The Wealth Choice, which is, I'm about halfway through that right now. That's another book, and you basically just reading about, you know, different Black people that have came from, like, nothing, you know, that have built up, built up you know, so much wealth. Um, and then also uh, Reginald Lewis's uh, biography, too. That's another book I have posted. So that's another, that's another guy, and I'm waiting on my boy Robert Smith, to 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 drop his uh, biography because he Is lives he in Austin. Austin. Uh, I don't I don't know. I know he okay. lives in Austin now. Going to try to track him down or something. It's gonna be gonna be hard. Yeah. But yeah, I know he's out here. It's so funny. I was I was with uh, hanging out with Andre. Hopefully, talk about that. But we were talking about Dame Dash, and he was like, "If you got to pay him, you just got to pay him." He's like, "You got to pay him five hundred dollars, a thousand dollars to come on the podcast. It's worth it." Like. That opens up doors. He's like, I, I guarantee once Dame gets to talk to you, that's going to create a connection that's even larger than what um, you're doing now. But oh, yeah. um, that is very important. Those are great books. I always say that, like, those books should be required reading for, like, any African-American student. We learn about all these dumbass wars, but we ain't learning about wealth. And wealth impacts us a lot more than these dumbass wars. Like, we don't even <laughs> know who the, we don't, how we know who Napoleon is. 
and don't even know who like none of these real legends are. Yeah, people who create created massive wealth. Like quite honestly, like the biggest reason why I take the approach that I take is because I read the book Black Titan, which is about A.G. Gaston. And I realized every business that he started was to service black people, like every single business. He started a lending business. He started a, a, a lunch business because they couldn't get served at lunch counters. He started um, an insurance business because they wouldn't bring him into white insurance companies. White insurance companies wouldn't insure black lives. He started mm-hmm. uh, like a, a cemetery because white funeral service companies wouldn't service black people. And so the same thing is true now. We don't realize that we're being locked out of a lot of shit or being locked out of a lot of shit. And the only people that can really save us is us. They just don't, they don't lock you out based off of race anymore. They're like, no, nah, it's just too expensive for you, little, little, little broke boy. That's how they do it. Money is the new segregation. Money is, money is the new Jim Crow. They get you out of their schools that way. They get you out of their neighborhoods that way. They get you out of their malls and their stores that way. And we can, we can approach it multiple ways. We can create wealth. And we can live how we want to live, but we can also create a community that is sustainable and healthy, even if we don't get access to their shit. So like even building better schools, we can build our own schools, uh, building our own grocery stores. We can do all these things. But it's it's going to start out ugly. It always starts out ugly. I forgot. I was I had this thought today. I finally got the AirPod Pros and I, I thought it was so interesting because Apple is a trillion, two trillion dollar company. And they came out with these Apple AirPod Pros and they basically fixed all the issues that they had with their first AirPods. Like even their first AirPods weren't perfect and they probably made hundreds of billions, of, they probably made billions of dollars with that, with that product. So even they can improve. But we out here thinking we got to start with the AirPod Pros. Like, no, start with the AirPods that you got and move forward. What you got, Raphael? Yeah, we got to so, put that on the shirt too. What you got, Raphael? You said, Charles, folks rather tell you something can't work than actually try. Man, I'm so frustrated because there is a dude who basically was shutting down investors' whole strategy uh, regarding combating gentrification. Right. And granted, there might not, there's not one silver bullet to defeat gentrification, um, but at least do something besides sit around and complain. And, and, and basically his tweet was, yeah, people out here thinking that they can defeat gentrification by bringing affluent African-American people back into the community. That ain't going to stop them from raising the rents, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, actually, dumbass, that's exactly what investors doing. He isn't raising the rents on a lot of these people. But what do you think is going to happen if certain people are around certain people? They're going to rise to the occasion. So people are going to improve just by being around you. If you are somebody of value and of substance and you live that way, they're likely going to want to get to that point. They it just they they don't see it. There is a there is a time when in African American neighborhoods you had the doctors, the lawyers, the teachers, the pharmacists. They all live in the same community with just the regular people from the factory. We didn't really have what we have now. And why can't we go back to that? And then also, why the need to shout something down before we even try? A lot of us think we're like fortune tellers, and we can tell you what can and can't work even though we never tried, even though we don't even know if it can happen. Like, you don't even know. And then also, once you get started, what are you going to iterate and change and pivot towards? But at least we're headed towards the right direction. Like, at least we're putting one foot in front of the other, as opposed to just sitting here in the, in the blocks talking about, let me define the best plan, the most perfect plan. You never really know. You never really know, Raphael. Like, I feel like that's what freshes me is, it, it kind of it, it speaks to what happens when I talk about different investments. 
there's a, a stock that I bought called Red Robin, and I bought it because I was just like shocked at how low it was trading. And I'd been looking for a restaurant company because I knew restaurants are getting me hammered. But every time I look at, at restaurants, they're packed. And so I was like, yeah, I'm buying Red Robin. Great opportunity. Let's say hypothetically it was trading at $10 right now, but before coronavirus it was trading at like 40 bucks, hypothetically. Somebody was like, that's a dumb investment. They have a bunch of debt. Why would you buy that? Blah, 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 stupid. And I made like 26% already. And it's only been like a month and a half. And that's what they do whenever you propose a solution for black people. No, you can't do that. It's impossible. Blah, blah, blah. You can't teach black people how to trade stocks. You can't teach them how to do it for $97. You can't, you can't, you can't. And folks out here changing their fucking life, tracking me down through uh, everywhere, everywhere I go. No matter what state I'm in, somebody's like, man, Charles, I took your course, changed my life. But they told me I can't do it. We don't need white people for shit. I've been looking at white folks. I'm like, y'all corny, man. And we out here just giving, like putting y'all up on a pedestal. They corny. Like, they're not better than us. They just convinced us that they're better than us. That's it. Ain't none of them better than us. You see all these black quarterbacks, all of them playoffs teams. All those dudes are great, but they convince us the white quarterbacks are better just to fit a narrative of the NFL. And they do the same thing with everything else. They've brainwashed you. They've convinced you that something is what it isn't. And that's true with the job stuff. That's true with the wealth building stuff. That's true with the family stuff. That's true with everything. And that's why I look at what works. I don't look at what they say. I'm never going to look at what they say. I'm always looking at what they do and what works, what produces results. Right. So, Brandon, when you started out, did you have a lot of people telling you um, that you were stupid, that this, this, it couldn't work? Uh, not like, uh, not family or friends, but the, um, like the mentors that I had when I was with the agency, mm-hmm. they were saying wow. stuff like that, you know, just so, just so I wouldn't, just so I wouldn't leave. But the funny thing is, is that, so with, with their MLM, with their business model, they don't do any kind of like um, online marketing or, you know, they don't have an online presence. So when COVID hit, they basically lost everything. Wow. So these are people that were driving foreign cars, living in luxury apartments, and now they live with other people. But <laughs> in my case, when COVID hit, my business exploded, you know, because I already had an online presence, you know, and I'd already been taking, you know, courses on you know, Facebook marketing and, you know, hiring people to actually, you know, do the marketing and stuff like that. So, like I said, I mean, in entrepreneurship, I'm not going to say every time, but sometimes the best advice is no advice. Sometimes you just got to jump out there and just make it do what it do. But you should also, you know, I guess hear hear people's opinions out. But also, I mean, always like, you know, uh, eat the meat and spit out the bones. Basically what my mom's, what my mama taught me. Um, I feel like it's interesting because that's another thing you have to watch out for is the bias of the people that are speaking into your life. And so it's like if somebody's making money off you or they want to keep you around, they're not going to give you no empowering advice. They're not going to. Oh, yeah. It might it might sound like it's in your best interest, but it's actually in their best interest. And a lot of times when people are talking, it's to benefit them. That is true. Yep, yep, yep. So just one uh, one more last reminder, uh, Brandon. You 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 had a tweet saying this is why I say that insurance is bigger than a death benefit. So what was the rest of the post though? That was the, the whole thing. Oh, it was part of a thread, but that to me was like that one part of the thread was like to me you could expand on that one. Like what 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 would you say? Electric insurance is really about more than just a death benefit. Uh, so like what I was talking about earlier. Um, as far as, you know, having the living benefits, you know, in case, you know, if, if you were to get sick, 
um, having the access, you know, to your death benefit. Um, and then also, you know, the cash value that you can get, you know, on certain life insurance policies, um, you know, as you pay on those, you know, cash value builds and you're able to, you know, either withdraw or take out, you know, loans to go, you know, invest in other things that can make you make you money. Um, but either way, like I said, for most life insurance policies, they're going to be more than just a, more than just a death benefit. Um, so that's another thing that I like to, you know, speak on. Um, cause I, I have like a lot of people that'll say, oh, well, I don't know if I want to buy for it. Cause, um, you know, I really don't get anything out of it, you know, which is retarded. So and what I do is like to just, you know, educate. It's all about education. Mm-hmm. On that note, people get some life insurance and we're going to wrap it up. And hit up Brandon Thomas for your life insurance needs. Why, why haven't you sponsored the Tweet Talk podcast, man? We don't have a life insurance pot sponsor. Get us a drop, uh, man. We don't even uh, yeah, need to. Just get yeah, us we can talk about it. Yeah, we can talk about it. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, I need to. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. Matter of fact, I think I have wrote that down, matter of fact, already. I wrote that down. Because I, I, I had did one sponsorship uh, a while back for Millionaire Monsters, but that was pretty much it. Um, but yeah, that's what, yeah. And what, what, are, what are the, what are the eight, uh, the eight states that you're in Texas and what are the other seven? Uh, so the other seven are, uh, Ohio, Louisiana, Colorado, North Carolina, Georgia, California. Did I say Louisiana already? I think so. I think so. Hold on. Let me, let me pull up my, <laughs> let me pull up my list, man. Cause I, I begin, I, I don't want to say the same thing. I don't want to say the same thing twice. I know okay. you can I know you can edit it and make it, you know. Okay, so Texas, Louisiana, Georgia, Colorado, Nevada, North Carolina, California, and Ohio. So those are the seven states, um, seven states that I'm in. Uh, like I said, we do uh, life, health, Medicare, disability, uh, critical illness insurance, um, group insurance for business owners, um, pretty much anything in that in that life health uh, life health around we pretty much uh, pretty much do um, and our business phone number is 512-459-6123 so they can just reach out just reach out whenever cool 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 or you can just go to bthomasinsurance.com or you can follow yeah. brandon on twitter at bt insurance ceo like we said and um yeah be sure to follow us on twitter you can follow me right now before you end, we got to give a special shout out to Andre C. Hatchet. Got a chance to meet him in person. He is super hospitable. Um, he just kept buying drinks and almost died. Uh, <laughs> but definitely had a good time. We went to like multiple spots, had some good food, went to a black owned like Caribbean restaurant. His energy is just super amp. Like I don't have that much energy. I'm kind of laid back, but he was just like super amp, great personality, willing to talk to anybody. So shout out to the brother Andre C. Hatchard in real life. <laughs> shout out to Dre, owner of the owns. Bring them shirts back, Dre, if you listen. In fact, I know you're listening, Dre. <laughs> I went to your website and you, you had it like turned off or something. Bring the shirts back, Dre. Owner of the owns. People need it. Yep. Bring it back, Dre. So you can follow Take me. Take him out, Raphael. Raphael you can follow me, Raphael, on Twitter at Work Money Life. Follow my co hosts. Charles Oglesby, a.k.a. Todd Millie, a.k.a. Todd Millionaire, a.k.a. Options Thug, Never Broke Again, <laughs> a.k.a. Mr. Featured in Forbes, at like you know. Yeah, I did, and I didn't pay for that either. People keep thinking, oh, he paid to be put in Forbes. Yeah, I didn't I, pay to be put in no magazine. I, 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 thought, 
You could pay to get into Forbes. No, yeah, that's the, you can pay to get into some magazines, but I, you can't pay to get into Forbes. Yeah, I just made that assumption because people have been doing that lately, which, I mean, more power to them. I think it's dope. Like, I'm not going to hate on how somebody markets and advertises their business. Like, the world is so much bigger than just a few followers that you have that have comments. Like, there's people who have never heard of you that might tune into Yahoo Finance. And so people are just so critical and so ignorant. But still do what you got to do, man. But yeah, you can. It's it's marketing, it's advertising, and uh, I'm assuming it does give you a strong ROI. Right, right, right. Yeah, I'm going to have to do that. I'm going to have to do that. <laughs> I'll do it. Man, we're gonna we gonna we gonna get you right, Brandon. We're looking for you. We're looking for you between the pages. We're looking for you, man. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast, man. Tweet talk. We are here every week, at least once a week, dropping the fire. You can um follow us on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast. You can follow Charles on Instagram at Todd Billion. Follow Todd Capital of the company at Todd.Capital on Instagram. Also the nonprofit at Best of Batman on Instagram. Follow us everywhere on social media for what we do. Come to Todd Capital. We vote building back wealth. So for episode 65, a special guest, Brandon Thomas, Raphael and Charles. Thank you guys for having me. Anytime, Brandon. We, we are out. Peace. Thanks so much for listening. We value your time. And that's why we want to give you the best sounding, best produced quality of content we possibly can. And this podcast you've been listening to has been edited and produced by yours truly. I'm Donald The Voice. I'm a 10 year voiceover artist, narrator and production specialist that wants to see only the best life giving, equipping and long lasting content be produced to help others. So if you have commercial video editing or other production needs, I love to talk with you. That's right. Visit DonaldTheVoice.com and hit the contact page to talk about how we can work together to bring your content to life. Okay, so you're not an email person. Well, you can also contact me on Instagram at DonaldTheVoice or on Facebook.com forward slash Donald.TheVoice. I'm looking forward to talking to you.